Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hi, Connor. Hey, Brittany. So today I want to talk about something that really grinds my gears. Uh-oh. So, yeah, get ready. So as a woman, I am constantly being told by by feminists, which is a term we can talk about later, and by by media and politicians that I don't make as much as a man and that I, you know, the workforce is rigged against me and I should feel like a victim. And I hate that because as someone who's very proud of my career and, and the compensation I've been able to make, I, I take offense to this. I do not feel belittled or taken advantage of. In fact, my boss is like a very strong woman who's amazing at her job and, and and makes good money. So, you know, why, especially politicians, why do they keep perpetuating this lie that men make more than women? You know, I've, I've heard a lot about this, too. And there's usually a statistic thrown around that working women make only 78 cents for every dollar that's earned by a man. And you know, there have been like high profile celebrities and I mean, even President Obama have talked about this statistic and this myth and and ultimately, I think, used this to further their own agenda, which is more government control over what people are paid. Exactly. And, you know, one of the celebrities is Sarah Silverman, who's an unfunny and very crude comedian who's like a millionaire. So I'm like, yeah, stop complaining. You're, you are rich. Like you're you're fine. You're selling out venues. But these wage crusaders, as I like to call them, um, when we examine the data more more closely, we find out that there there isn't a wage gap. You know, the gap that these crusaders are actually wrong. What this is is it's a preference gap, and that exists because personal choice, not gender. Connor, uh, you know that's the problem. And I don't know if you could maybe define and break down what preference is for our listeners. We've talked about it a little bit in past episodes. Yeah, so I'll, I'll use it with an example uh, in my state, Utah. Uh, there's very, you know, large families, strong families. Um, a lot of the women choose to, uh, you know, either be stay-at-home moms or work part-time uh, because one of their priorities or preferences, as we're using that word, uh, is motherhood and uh, is, you know, taking care of, of babies and raising children and having strong uh, families and homes where those children can thrive. And uh, and so there's a preference there where a lot of these women uh, want to work and do work, but they prefer uh, either working fewer hours or they prefer jobs that have more flexibility uh, rather than a typical nine to five or a nine to eight or, you know, like working long hours and grueling <laughs> jobs because the, the preference is there for many of, of these women. Uh, to have sufficient time and mental energy and, and, and physical energy to uh, accomplish these other goals that they have. And so there's other preferences that exist. But I think for women, you know, motherhood uh, is, is one of the higher ones up there that impacts their decisions as to how they, uh, you know, want to participate in the workforce. And so they uh, they often will have uh, lower paying jobs or they'll have very well paying jobs, but they're working fewer hours. And so they're making less money um, or they'll take they'll have a, what's called a trade off. That's an economic term, right, where instead of being in the office and grueling job and high pay, they'll prefer to trade that for a job that they can do from home. 
that's a little bit more laid back, but still brings in some money because they have other priorities. And so it's those preferences that often impact the jobs that women decide to do. Whereas men kind of in your traditional, we'll call it patriarchal type of society uh, role, you know, are, are more comfortable and more able in a lot of cases to do the, you know, high power, hard charging, long hour uh, type of jobs that might bring more compensation. But then in the eyes of some, they say, oh, but that's a that's disparity. That's an income gap. That's wrong. What they're ignoring and avoiding is what you're pointing out. What we're talking about, Brittany, is that there's different preferences that are there uh, that, that lead to that. As you point out with maybe your boss, there's there's plenty of women who have the preference to you know, work very hard and that's a, a sole focus and they're fine to uh, make other, you know, sacrifices or not have the other preferences that might require flexibility or, or some of those other options. And, and as you point out, I mean, these women are in the workforce and they make a lot of money. And so it's, we have to pay attention to some of these other factors when it comes to the so-called wage gap, because they're very informative about what's actually happening and what, not what people think is happening. Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head, and I'm going to address the the motherhood thing again in a little bit. But but women, in large part, like you said, have different preferences. And and just to clear one thing up, if we were to add up the salaries of every working man in the country, and then we compared that average to the average of every working woman, there there would most certainly be a gap present. But that doesn't tell the whole story because of exactly what you said. Every single person have different incentives that motivate them. And I hate to speak of you have genders in the collective, but sometimes men and women do have different reasons for, for doing what they do. There's actually an economist uh, named Claudia Golden, and she's really focused on this issue of this gender wage gap and, and discovered that in the early years of you know career development, there's basically no wage gap between men and women working in the same field. She, she compared male and female colleagues with almost identical, you know, resumes and intellect. And, and there was a so-called wage gap of less than 1%. So, so basically nothing, that's a statistical blip. Um, and, and so basically men, you know, weren't really earning more than women at all early in their career when, you know, the, the kind of the, maybe the motherhood and some of the other preferences start to emerge. Um, the, there's no wage gap. Exactly. And that's where kind of the twist comes in. And you've already hit on a lot of these points, but the gap in the income did eventually get bigger. But this is when these women decided to marry and have children. And so once they took on more caregiving responsibilities, and I should also mention that women are also tend to be, they have a higher rates of being caregivers for like their parents or a sick relative as well. So it's not just motherhood. But like you said earlier, flexibility began to outweigh the opportunity to earn higher wages. So their preferences changed. Instead of seeking seeking a promotion, which meant you know more time in the office, they were deciding to work less, maybe take lower positions to be with their kids. But this wasn't a boss decision, right? This wasn't management saying, you're a woman, I'm going to pay you less. It was actually like empowerment and people don't think of it that way, but it was women saying, I'm going to, I'm going to do both. I'm going to work and I'm going to be a mother and I can, you know, maybe I'm going to sacrifice a little on both ends. So, so I think it's actually empowering. Hmm. Uh, you actually wrote uh, something for the Mises Institute a few years ago, I was reminded of. And, and uh, so here's the quote uh, from your article. We'll, we'll link to this uh, on the show notes page at TuttleTwins.com slash podcast. Uh, to this article. So here's this portion that says, uh, in 2014, uh, there were leaks from Sony uh, revealed that Hollywood actress Jennifer Lawrence had made less money than her male co-stars uh, in this film that she was involved in. Hollywood was outraged and demanded that uh, the government help you know, bridge the, the gender wage gap 
Um, and so uh, there was a different actress, uh, Robin Wright. Isn't she the one from, uh, wasn't she the, the princess and Princess Bride? She was. Right? She's Buttercup. Uh, uh, Butter, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay. So Robin Wright, uh, I think she was in Wonder Woman too. She's done a bunch of Yes, others. she was. Mm-hmm. Um, so she takes a different approach uh, to this issue by, by taking matter into her own hands. How did she accomplish that? Yeah. So this is actually one of my favorite stories. So she was on a show called House of Cards um, and she was not the main star, but she was pretty close in there. And and Wright went into co- to her contract meeting prepared to demonstrate her worth. And the problem is, so there's a personality scale and there's this thing called agreeableness and women tend to score lower or uh, yeah, higher on agreeableness. And that doesn't mean what it sounds like. What that means is they're less likely to be proactive about asking for raises, right? But Robin Wright was not doing that. So she came into her contract meeting with all this data showing that her character was actually more popular than the main star, Kevin Spacey, who we don't really talk about anymore because he turned out to be not not so great of a person in her life. But once she presented her case and her, her demands were met because she showed them like, this is my worth and I want to be compensated accordingly. And for Wright, putting up that fight was well worth potentially dragging out the negotiation process where a lot of women would just say, I don't want to deal with this. And I, I hate to say, you know, to characterize every woman, but this is what happened statistically. Hmm. So so she wanted the higher wages. Um, and in fact, when Jennifer Lawrence was asked, you know, how she felt about this pay discrepancy, she actually admitted that it was her own fault. She didn't want to negotiate a higher salary. She was already making millions. She was in, what is it? Hunger, Hunger Games. Games. What was the other franchise? She was in another X-Men. X-Men. Yeah, X-Men. So she had no desire to drag out negotiations. For her, the preference of getting it over with was more important than extra money. So in short, she, you know, she valued the, the convenience over the money. And again, that comes back to preference. What I find interesting here is that other people seem to care more about Jennifer Lawrence's uh, compensation than she did. In other words, there are other people who, who see, oh, she's being paid less, and they feel like that sets a precedent or an example. That, that they don't want to apply to other people. So we have to go fight for Jennifer and we, had, we need to make a big stink about it. When in reality for her, it, it was not a big deal. Uh, you know, it was like, hey, I'm fine with what you've offered me and I'll go ahead and take that. Uh, she had other preferences and, and so do other people too. It reminds me also of something we've discussed in the past, Brittany, that Frederick Bastiat wrote about. Uh, you'll, our listeners will remember that he's a French economist and we based the, our law book after, uh, after his. In one of his writings, he talks about the principle of that which is seen mm-hmm. versus that which is not seen. And he says a bad economist, or, or rather even just a person who has thoughts about the economy, which basically every person does, a bad economist, he says, looks at that which is seen. And so in this case, and we've talked before about other uh, examples, the, uh, the, 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 the broken glass theory and all kinds of other things where this comes into play. But in this example, that which is seen is the amount of money Jennifer Lawrence is paid versus her, you know, co-stars. Or it's the amount of money that a a, a a mom who has to, you know, wants to be soccer mom as well as, you know, work. It's the salary she's being paid versus the, you know, her male colleague who just stays there pulling late hours. Uh, those are things that are seen. So it's very easy to be a bad economist and just look at like, oh, well, you know, the she's not making the same amount of money. That's wrong. Right? <laughs> we're, we're just looking at the amount of money. That's what is seen. And, and that's a bad economist. Instead, what Bastiat dis, uh, discusses is that which is not seen 
is, is how you become a good economist. In other words, the things that are not readily apparent, the things that you don't readily see and understand, you got to dig a little bit deeper. You got to try and understand what motivates people and what incentivizes them. Why are they making the decisions that they do? You can't just rely on this superficial comparison of wages. There are these hidden preferences that people have, right? That as you point out, the, the women start to later in life desire more uh, schedule flexibility and so forth because of other priorities that emerge. And, and so those are the things that are not readily apparent. And it's very easy in Twitter to be a, a, a woke social justice warrior and, and, oh, women deserve you know equal pay. Those are bad economists. They're not taking into account the full picture. They're not taking into account, as Bastiat said, that which is not seen. And that's these other preferences that come into play. Brittany, I'll give you the final word. Any thoughts? Uh, yeah. I mean, again, as, as a woman, this really offends me because I have never felt that my gender has held me back. In fact, because I'm in the libertarian movement where there are fewer women, being a woman has actually given me an, a little bit of an advantage. So so I really think we need to look closer at this. I love that you brought up Bastia because this is something, this is a lie that is just keeps going. And again, it just really offends me. So I want us to look closer at the data, look closer to preference and understand that this is not, you know, some some quest against women. We will link, as I said, on the show notes page uh, to uh, the article that Brittany shared, maybe some uh, additional information about uh, the wage gap and preferences. This is an important topic because, again, so many people are bad economists and they've got opinions on things. This is why you guys learning free market economics is so critical. As a reminder, we have a whole curriculum about this for kids of all ages and the parents, too, if you're interested. Head over to freemarket.tuttletwins.com. Uh, you can sign up and get weekly lessons, make it super easy. You guys can become free market champions, be good economists, and be able to combat all the crazy, bad uh, information and faulty economics that are out there. This is critical to making sure that we can defend our freedoms and, uh, and, and, and you know, preserve a, a healthy economy from those who are trying to tank it into the ground. So head to TuttleTwins.com slash podcast to find the show notes page. If you're interested in those economic lessons, freemarket.tuttletwins.com. As always, Brittany, great talking with you. And until next time, we will talk to you later. Talk to you later. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out TuttleTwins.com for more awesome content.